This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 840. What's going on, everyone? It is me, David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, the biggest, the best, the baddest real estate podcast on the planet for a long time, bringing you what you need to know about real estate to stay up to speed, current, and in the know of what's going on in this market, which is changing now more than ever. In today's episode, Rob Abasolo and I will be handling it seeing green style. Now, normally there's a green light behind me. That's not the case right now because I am traveling to promote pillars of wealth, but that doesn't stop us from bringing you educational, powerful, and free real estate content. In today's show, ooh, you're going to love it. We get into sequencing the work for rehab projects. What is the order that you should do when it comes to getting pre-approved, getting bids on construction, writing offers, moving forward with the escrow, and strategies you can use to put that in your favor? When cash flow is or isn't appropriate, this is a really good discussion about the complicated question of, is it okay to cash flow negatively if I'm making a lot of money and what needs to go into that question? With the aging population, is real estate a risk long-term? I thought that was a really good discussion that we had as well, Rob, with like, what are the factors that make real estate go up or down in value? And what will that be like in the future if the population of America stops increasing like other first world countries have? And can I own real estate while still renting where I live? All that and more on today's show. But before we get to our first question, today's quick tip is simple. Get your team together, build your core four, and start your journey, and Bigger Pockets can help. We've got an agent finder, which you can find at biggerpockets.com slash agents. I'm one of the people on there, so go look for me as well. You can find an agent in your area and ask them if they can help you put your core four together. If they know what that means, it means they probably read my book and you're off to a good start. Rob, anything you want to say before we get to our first question? Mm, this is very fun. This is a very fun format. I can't believe I've been missing out on this for two years. Thank you for allowing me to come on this. I, I want to do this more. Have me on. First time you've ever put me and fun in the same sentence. Hey, there's a first time for everything. And there's a second time for everything too. So if you hold out, maybe I'll say it again. The only time people really talk about me being fun is when I'm talking about fundamentals, which people think are fundamentally boring. That's that's the name of your 11th book that you're currently writing for 2027, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the show. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, rent to retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. 
How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high tech sensors that detect break ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You've heard us talk about it before. High interest rates are crushing real estate investors, leaving even some of the best investors in need of funding now. But with today's liquidity crisis, who can fill the demand? With Fundrise, America's largest direct-to-investor alternative asset manager, you have the opportunity to. Fundrise's new opportunistic private credit strategy was designed specifically for this new market environment. Fundrise supplies high-demand bridge financing on high-quality assets with credit-worthy borrowers. Top real estate investors get the funding they need while you walk away getting paid a healthy interest rate. To date, Fundrise has completed more than $500 million worth of private credit deals with an average net interest of 10.8%, and they've already amassed a pipeline worth more than $300 million. Don't sit on the sidelines. You can take advantage of this unique window of opportunity while it lasts with Fundrise's new private credit strategy. Ready to start? Go to Fundrise.com pockets to learn more. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash pockets. This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss. Sean, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Uh, thanks, David. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for taking the time to have me on and answering my question. Uh, you and Rob have been instrumental in my decision to get into real estate, so it's really quite surreal being here and talking to you both live. So thank you. Oh, Hey, hey, happy to do it. Uh, a bit of relevant background. Uh, my cousin and I have teamed up as partners. Uh, he is an investment banker living in New York City, and I am a corporate lawyer living in Boston. We have leaned into the concept of long-distance real estate investing, given our expensive local markets. We own a couple of properties and want to continue building our portfolio, uh, and we're looking to enhance our returns on future investments by employing the Burr strategy. And we are working with an investor-focused realtor in an out-of-state market we have selected. Our skill sets are great on the transactional and analytical sides, but we have little to no experience in renovation and construction. And any Burr investment uh, would be made from afar, so we do not have the ability to see properties firsthand, which leads me to my question. Uh, could you explain the sequencing of arriving at a renovation estimate for a Burr? Uh, do we try to get contractors to the property and provide bids before we submit our offer? This would provide surety for our offer, but I can see it being hard to send contractors out for every property we want to offer on, particularly if you want to get bids from multiple contractors. Alternatively, if we cannot get contractors to the property before making an offer, what should we do as inexperienced rehabbers to inform our renovation estimate without a bid from a contractor? Uh, we've, we found that given the increasingly slim margins in the current market, 
picking the wrong end of uh, estimate range could mean the difference between a good deal and a bad one. Any help is appreciated. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So David, I'm gonna let you jump in on this one first. He actually answered this not too long ago because I had this question, if you, if you recall where I was like, well, do we get the, do we get the offer accepted first and then get the contractor or are we trying to get the contractor first and then get the offer accepted? So you provide some pretty good insight. Can you, can you let us know what your process is? I love these questions. Why can't everyone ask me a question as simple as like, what's the system or the sequencing? It's always like, what do I do? Because I don't know what the market's going to do. And you're like, well, great. Now I have to try to dive into that ocean of confusion. This is really easy. Let me ask you before I answer that, Sean, did you have chat GPT help you formulate that question? Uh, no, <laughs> I did not. I've listened to your takes on AI and uh, I, I agree with you. I, I wrote that myself. So you are AI. Dude, that was really good. Anytime someone has to ask you if AI helped you write it, that's saying that you sound too good as a human to be believed. Are you married? That's, I'm, I'm married. I, I think it's the corporate lawyer in me coming out. Yeah, that's not surprising either. Tell your wife that she married like the pinnacle of masculine perfection, at least when it comes to the written word. She's a very, <laughs> very lucky woman. All right. So the, to simplify this, you're asking here. Do I get a bid from a contractor before I write my offer or do I do it after? Correct? Yes. Okay. You want to get a range from your contractor before you write the offer, but you're not going to get it locked in until after. And the reason being is if, if, if you try to do it, what feels like perfect, which is what most people do. I want the bid before I write the offer because I got to get everything lined up before I squeeze the trigger. Someone else will buy it. I mean, I've taken lots of, I've broken a lot of hearts in the real estate space by moving in and buying that thing right before somebody else had their offer written because they were taking too long. And then when you're in contract, you get the information. And if it doesn't work out, you just back out of the contract. Really, I forget sometimes that people don't realize how a real estate transaction works because I'm a real estate agent. And so I do this all the time. Writing an offer is an incredibly low commitment. I just want to say this again. It is like getting on a first date. It doesn't really mean a whole lot. If the person smells like fettuccine Alfredo, if they've got a lot of nose hair, if there's something weird going on, you just don't go back for a second date and you're out the price of an Applebee's dinner or whatever it is, right? People look at it like asking for a date is asking for someone's hand in marriage and you're going to have to pay a lot of money to reserve a wedding venue. That's more like when you waive the contingencies. So two things to keep in mind that this strategy, that on execution, they'll make the strategy easier. One, Include contingency so you can back out of the deal. If you can't, put a very, very low earnest money deposit in there, right? As low as you can get. Because worst case scenario, if there's no contingencies and it was a hot deal and it all falls apart, you're only out whatever your earnest money was. You're not out the potential tens of thousands of dollars or more that it could be if the deal goes wrong and you feel like you're compelled to close on it. So uh, my formula is to have a home, like to get the property that I see, have someone go out there and make a video. If I like it, get my contractor to go walk it. And the contractor shouldn't need you to tell them every tiny little detail that's done. Like they should look at it and say, yeah, it's going to need paint. We're going to need to frame up a bedroom right here. Like what's your plan for this thing? And I give them an overall vision and they will say, Hey, it's going to be somewhere between 25 and 50 grand, depending what you want done. Okay. That should be enough for you to make the decision on where to write the offer. You write the offer. Now, during your inspection period, you have a home inspector go out there and a contractor go out there at the same time. This is probably the part that Rob was liking when I was talking about it before. 
the inspector talks to the contractor and is like, did you see that outlet right there is not working? Make sure you put that in your scope of work that you're going to need to replace that electrical outlet. Or the panel over here isn't working or that window is completely done. It's going to need to be replaced. And so that goes into the scope of work of the contractor. At the same time that the contractor can say to the home inspector, you know, that's weird. Why isn't this faucet working? And he can kind of like look at the plumbing. And they, the two of them work together to figure this out. Then they come back with a menu, right? This is in long distance real estate investing. Here's all the work that needs to get done. And here's how much each of these things cost. Not do the work equals 50 grand. It needs to be itemized, which I'm sure you as a corporate lawyer can understand because you guys are always trying to get us to just give you a retainer and waste all of our money. And we're trying to keep, I'm just kidding. It's not really that bad. (laughs) So once you've got that, now you can decide if you need to drop the price of the home, move forward with closing or back out of the deal completely. What do you think? Yeah, uh, that works. And and so that was, you answered one of my follow-up questions was, uh, you know, if, if you estimated incorrectly, how do you, how do you fix that after the fact where you say, okay, uh, you know, it looks like I just replaced a couple outlets, but you get in there and you realize you need to totally rewire the place or, Hey, the floor is going to be five grand. No, it's actually going to be 20 because you, it's rotted underneath and, and you need to rip it up. You're saying you're, you're going to use the, uh, inspection contingency that you have, uh, to say, Hey, look, um, this isn't what I thought it was. I need to pay you 20,000 less for, because these cost a lot more. Here's the magic words. That's yes. You got the right idea. The execution of it. Don't say this isn't what I thought it was say, Hey, this wasn't disclosed. That's my favorite thing to say when I'm an agent. Hey, seller. Unfortunately, this part wasn't disclosed when we made the offer. You didn't tell us that the electrical's not working and the roof is leaking and the walls are bad and it's got rodents. Like you didn't tell us. So in order for us to fix these things, we have to make these changes. And the listing agent will come back with a but, 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 but why did you write the offer if you weren't going to close? Well, we write the offer assuming that the only stuff wrong with the house is what you told me. You didn't tell me about all the baggage that it's coming with. So now here's what it is going to be worth to us. And it puts you in a position where they can't really like, they can't question your motives. If you're a bad person, they can't look at it and say, oh, you were never intending to pay that price in the first place. And and also, as a side note, when I'm listing a house, that's one of the reasons that you disclose everything that you know is wrong with it ahead of time so that the buyers can't come back and ask for a discount because I can always, as a listing agent, go back and say, no, you knew about this. The disclosures were given to you. We even did a, an inspection report before you wrote your offer. You saw all of this. My seller is not going to grant any of those credits. That's very helpful. And the other follow-up question I had is, do you have any advice for uh, getting to a sufficiently specific range of an estimate for purposes of submitting an offer, right? So that's an estimate that I'll be creating and I need to go in and say, okay, you know, floor is between five and 10 grand and uh, doing the kitchen will be between 10 and 15. Uh, A lot of times I've, I've spoken with people and they say, well, every job's different. And I can't really can't really give <laughs> yeah. you a good one, right? I, I, I need to see it. Um, or, or even worse, I know you like uh, the the places that have five photographs in the MLS that look like they're taken on a potato, um, and those are the ones that you like to go after because they're the value add. Well, that's really tough for me to to estimate a rehab on those five potato pictures, uh, and I only you know see half of the house and I don't see a floor plan. So, c- can you give some advice on that as well? Have you read Long Distance Real Estate Investing? I feel like you haven't read it yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's right over my shoulder, as is uh, Burr. It's in the queue. It, no, okay. no, I, I, I nope. have read it, and that's that's the basis. Oh. So well, I'm, I'm trying to find Long Distance Real Estate Investing, and, and uh, 
and Burr. And it is, you're right. It's impossible to judge by the pictures. Yeah. The pictures are just like, we're going to go back to online dating. Okay. Like I can't get a good feel for what this person's like based on their pictures, but I can get enough of a feel. By the way, I don't do online dating. So if you guys out there see a profile that looks like me, it's a catfish. Don't fall for it. It's happened before. Yeah. They got me pretty good with that one. <laughs> That's how Rob and I met actually. Funny story about that <laughs> on the next episode of Bigger Romance. You can know enough from the pictures to know if you want to go on a date, but the date's going to tell you what you need to know. Okay. Those pictures will tell you if you want to look into it deeper. You still need to send someone to the property with the phone to take a video of the house. Now, if your contractor won't do it, have the person get really good video and then send that to the contractor. And if they're like, well, you know, every job's different. I need to look at it. I'll say, okay, assume that we have to replace all of these cabinets and all of these appliances and put a new floor in here. Give me a range from here to here of what you think it'll cost. Now that helps because they get to, they're worried you're going to blame them if they don't, if their number's too high, but they're also worried that if they go too low, they could have made more money off of you. That's why they don't want to give you the hard and fast answer. But if you could give them the video and say, give me a range, they're much more likely to say, okay, well, it could be anywhere from here to here. Uh, I'm not afraid of telling him something that I can't actually back up. And then you still have negotiating power to go to the contractor and say, well, it needs to be on the lower end because you're talking to other people. So they can't, they got to still respect you a little bit. Does that make sense? Yes, that's very helpful. Thank you. And ideally, you want your real estate agent to be the one that takes these videos for you. One of the reasons that you can use a buyer's agent, if you just can't find a way to do that, the listing agent usually doesn't want to go and take video because that's going to be like helping you in the negotiations over them. So I've used people that are in the area from the Bigger Pockets forums. If I needed a video taken, you just have to figure out some way to get in the door. Makes sense. Thank you. All right. Anything you want to add, Rob? No. I mean, there's no, there's no room for someone like me at the top. You, you answered it perfectly. Rob keeping his dollars per word really, really high right now. This is <laughs> expert work. Well, awesome, Sean. Thanks for the question. If people want to uh, connect with you uh, uh, on the internet, where can they do that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm on Bigger Pockets, Sean Linehan, S-E-A-N-L-I-N-N-E-H-A-N. And also on Instagram, same name, Sean Linehan, at Sean Linehan. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Sean GPT. Thanks, David. All right. Thank you, Sean, for that incredibly accurate and well-worded statement mm-hmm. question that you gave there. Thanks for being on Seeing Green. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Rob, what do you think about that? It was good, man. It's uh, Honestly, I think it's the first time we've ever heard sequencing on the show. So there's a first for everything. And now the sequence of events that we move on. That's right. That's right. Favorite comments? Yes. We're getting into (laughs) the section of the show where we are going to share comments that you all have left on previous episodes on YouTube. If you would like to be featured on Seeing Green, we'd love to have you. Head over to biggerpockets.com slash David where you can submit your question. And remember, if you're listening to this on YouTube, in addition to leaving a comment, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and share the video with someone you love. All right. Our first comment comes from Javon Music Group. I have grown to love my half hour drive to church every Sunday. Thanks to your video. I learned so much each week. That's right. Seeing green, making even church fun. Glad to hear that. Next one comes from A. Davidovich. I love saying names like that. I think it's A. David Ovich. You're probably right. I'm doing it completely wrong. Do you think, is it possible that you've read so many of these over the years that like you've you've mispronounced their handle so much that they actually never knew that it was their own comment that they left. Oh, and so they were thinking that someone else left something brilliant, but it turns out it was them. Yeah, they're like, there's they they have no idea their question was answered. They're like, oh, that guy has a, a name that sounds kind of like mine. That's cool. Yeah, because it's much more likely that his name is David Ovich than it is Davidovich. All right, 
Moving on here. <laughs> Helveteka. Helveteka. Mr. David Ovich. Thanks for regularly creating great free content. I found a lot of useful information just by listening to you guys. Also, I love the tools that are made available with the pro membership. Yep, that pro membership is probably the best deal in real estate. Couple hundred bucks a year, and you get unlimited use to calculators, discounts on all kinds of stuff. Like a leases yep. to like every state or something? It's My team crazy, uses man. the rent estimator tool constantly for our clients that are, are considering buying houses all across the country and want to know what the rent would be. So if you're not already a pro member, definitely keep listening to the show and occasionally you'll get a discount. Next up from Sudhata Linen. Thank you, David, for all that you do. Your podcasts share immense knowledge and provide courage to take the steps necessary. I wish I knew about bigger pockets during COVID time. I could have started early, but better than not buying ever. Thank you for your guidance. Oh, that's sweet. That's so sweet. That is really nice, isn't it? Yeah. And look at all the exclamation points that are in there and smiley. That's how you know that they meant it because they put like, they didn't even do the emoticon version. They did like the actual like... Or they didn't do the emoji version. They did the the emoticon version. Yeah, exactly. Emoticon? They're OG. Is that what happens when a transformer becomes an emoji? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think an emoticon is the original emoji before it was like, you know, like the yellow circles. Look at Rob with the history lesson for all of us. All right. That's that's right. Moving on to our last comment from Big Mike 8981. David knows how to tell you the truth and give you the tough conversation that nobody wants to have with you. Bravo. My man, that is probably my favorite comment that we had today because that's exactly what I strive to do. And let me tell you, it is not fun to be the person that says it is going to be difficult. You could get hurt. And this is very tough right now when all of the competition is like, nah, just go in and buy it and you'll figure it out later. Jump out of the plane and build your parachute on the way down. Rob, do you have any any insight you want to add on any conversations we've had that you're like, that's not what I wanted to hear? Or any advice for me of how I can make the the medicine go down a little smoother? Well, I invested a lot of money recently into bell bottoms thinking that they were going to come back in and I was committed to them. And you're like, Hey, can I sit, can I sit down with you for a second? You can't wear those to be pecan. They're not working. Stop trying to make them work. And it hurt. And I've since donated them to goodwill, but I'm honestly, in retrospect, I'm really happy. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. That's what real friends do. They tell each other what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I recently reached out to you because you're doing so good with your fitness and your diet. And I was like, hey, I need to hear what diet you're on. And your reply was, you already know what to do. Eat more meat and work out. Leave me alone. I'm working. So it's not just me <laughs> that gives helpful advice. Thank you, Rob. For, for absolutely yeah, it nothing. was a little nicer than that. It was a little. But see, I said that because you've done it before. You know, I was like, look, you know, we all know. Wake up early, work out, eat healthy. Repeat. I'm get, That's the book that I'm going to write. Uh, wake up early. The, it's like Make an the, acronym out of that, yeah. I'll let you do the words while I'm reading the next part here, and then you can come back and call right. it the Wakur method okay. or whatever it's going to yeah. be. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally. 
in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Finding rental property insurance has been a headache for the past few years. You know the feeling. You're scrambling, calling 20 different insurance agencies in a dozen different cities, struggling to protect your portfolio at the right cost. But I'm going to tell you a little secret that'll change everything. Veteran investors don't go through the everyday insurance companies. They just use NREG. NREG, that's N-R-E-I-G, provides insurance solely for real estate investors. They've built the largest insurance program in the country for residential tenant-occupied, vacant, and renovation properties. The best part? You can put all your properties on one insurance schedule and one monthly bill. And you can add, change, or remove properties without having to cancel one policy and purchase another. They insure properties from single-family rentals, up to 20-unit multifamily dwellings, vacation rentals, mobile homes, condos, and more. Trade catchy jingles for cash flow with insurance made for investors. Visit nreg.com slash bppod to request a proposal. N-R-E-I-G dot com slash B-P-P-O-D. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash bp. 
All right, let's get back to the questions from you, our audience, and see what we can do to help you build wealth in your journey. Rob, I hear we have an update from you live on scene with the new method. What is it going to be? Whoop here. <laughs> Wake up early, eat healthy, and repeat. Whoop here. The whoop here method. Whoop, there it is. Uh-huh. All right, our next question comes from Aiden in LA. Hi, David. My name is Idan from Los Angeles, and my question for you is, if I'm purchasing a rental property in a good growing area, uh, area that should appreciate very well, for example, in North Carolina, I have a few neighborhoods that I know that they are very good. If I'm purchasing a property that after all the expenses, I'm running the calculations through the bigger pockets uh, tools, uh, after all the repair, capex, vacancies, mortgage, insurance, uh, taxes, after everything, I'm negative cash flow 300, 400, 500 because of the interest today and the high prices. This is a very good area. And I'm buying it in market prices, not below too much. Uh, obviously, I'm trying to find a creative way to add value. But if I'm negative cash flow three, $400 and I can afford it, uh, I'm okay with it. I don't need the cash flow right now. And I'm counting on appreciation in the future. Does that make sense to do something like that if I can afford it? And, um, and it's important to me to be in a very good location. Um, any help about it will help. Thank you so much for everything you do for us. Thank you. All right, Idan bringing the most controversial question in all of real estate investing right to our doorstep. Uh, this is probably going to go viral as half of the country will love us and half will hate us. Welcome to the controversial firing, Rob. What do you have to say? Let me rephrase the question. Should I buy a property and lose money on it if I believe that it will appreciate like crazy over the next few years? My answer is no. Uh, because you know, the thing is when you are accepting of a loss, listen, and again, I, I'm not going to fault anyone who does this, but <clears throat> given the, gir- the current economic climate, I would say this losing two or 300 or 400 or 500, I don't know what he said, dollars every single month feels okay when you're making a lot of money and that you feel like you can absorb it, but it doesn't feel so good when your other income sources deplete or whenever you lose your job or wh- whatever happens in the next couple of years, affects your financial situation. That two or $300 a month starts burning a hole in your pocket. I would not bet on appreciation in 2023 as your savior in this situation. Uh, had you told me that in 2019, 2020, 2021? Absolutely. But I think we got to be a little bit more conservative with that. I'm fine with breaking even. I will say that. Losing money, I'm out. What about you? All right. This is a little more nuanced than it sounds because it's not as simple as can I lose two or 300 a month if I might make more money somewhere else. I have lost money in real estate, especially lately with how things have gone, but it has never been from the cash flow not being enough to two or $300 a month. It's been from city regulations, construction projects going wrong, permits not being given, um, work being done incorrectly that needs to be redone. There's lots of ways you can lose money in real estate outside of just the cash flow not being there, but that doesn't get discussed. We typically only talk about, well, the calculator said that my cash flow would be this much and it was less than that. I'm losing money. The reason that I am not as worried about this particular gentleman losing two to $300 a month is because in general, that is the amount of money that somebody can make picking up an extra shift at a restaurant once a month or picking up a coffee shop shift twice a month. It's not something that's going to cause you to actually like lose a property. I'm more worried about a tenant destroying it, things going wrong with the property that you don't have the money to fix. Um, Getting into the short-term rental game without reserves where you can't keep up with what your competition is doing and slowly falling further and further behind and not having the option to rent it out. 
in a traditional sense. Like I, those big things are much scarier to me than the possibility that he might lose a little bit of money. I'd also say that if he's banking on appreciation and there's no reason to buy it, that's speculation. Okay. But if he's buying in an incredibly good area with constricted supply, increasing demand where it is reasonable to think that rents are going to go up and you're going to get a very good tenant that actually makes the investment safer even though it's losing a little bit of money. So we didn't get quite enough information to give this particular gentleman a take on if he should buy the property or not. I would have needed to know the actual city, the ability that he could create revenue in other ways. Is there a value add to this property where he could add an ABU to it? He, he said that there wasn't really a value add, and he said that he believe, he believed in the city itself. So I think it's like, assuming that he those two things are correct... There, it's a great appreciating city. He can't uh, add value. That I think that's sort of the the particular situation here. Well, I, my take would be all of the the X factor is the money you're making now isn't necessarily the money you're going to make in the future. Okay, so he says in the note yeah. here that he is a contractor making very good money in Los Angeles. Now, if that was going to continue, yeah, it's okay to lose two or three hundred dollars a month for the short term because you're going to make money later. The difficulty becomes if you lose your job and you can't make that money. But then again, like, is two or three hundred dollars a month going to actually kill you? Right? You could probably cancel a couple cable subscriptions or eat out a little bit less. You could probably take that money out of the budget you have. That's not the most dangerous thing. The most dangerous thing would be if your tenant doesn't pay rent at all. Okay, like we get focused on the numbers aren't working in the calculator. We don't think about what if the tenant just stops paying and it takes four or five months to evict them. That is so much more significant than $200 a month as far as how much money you'll actually lose. So, Rob, does that weigh into your advice on the location of the property and the quality of the tenant? It kind of. I guess the, what you're saying is absolutely true. If the tenant doesn't pay, they're not only losing the two or 300 bucks, they're losing the actual rent too. Like 2000 or $3,000 a month. And that's right. that over three, that's four significant. months. Yeah, that's way more money than a couple hundred bucks. But I think that extra $300 on top of the payment, the sorry, the tenant not paying is a lot more painful in that moment than the 300 And that's why I'm like... You know, listen, I'm an aggressive investor, all right? I'm not the kind of person that makes very conservative purchases or investments, but I don't, no matter how aggressive I am, rule number one is to never lose money. There are some situations where I have, and there are some situations where the tax benefits make it to where I actually save a lot of money. But in general, if I could break even, that that's at least like requirement number one. I think that's like always a fair way to approach it no matter what, especially in 2023. But... I could be swayed. It's a hot topic, right? I don't know if there is a, there isn't a right or wrong answer here. It really does depend on the person and their financial position, right? No, no, there's a right. It's it's what I said. No, I'm just kidding. What if I like just came in like guns blazing? Listen to me. I, I agree. It's it's there's no wrong or right. There's just what's right for you. Yeah, because you could always just put more money down and the property cash flows then, but the question becomes like, okay, now it's cash flowing a hundred dollars a month instead of losing two hundred dollars a month, but you had to put a hundred thousand dollars into the property. Is that a better use of your money? Then putting that same hundred thousand dollars in reserves, and you can get by if it doesn't cash flow totally. as much, right? Someone asked me yesterday if they were like, "Hey, can I just ask? Is it stupid for me to put half down on this house?" And I was like, "Look, uh, maybe a year or two ago, I would have been like, hey, 'Don't do that.' And right now, I'm kind of like, I mean, that's fine. Honestly, could you make more money somewhere else? Yes, but could you be a lot happier if your mortgage payment was a lot lower and you didn't have to worry about a high mortgage payment every month during like?" whatever's coming in 2023, 2024, I'm good with it, honestly. So So would you rather have that theoretical $100 a month of cash flow instead of $200 a month of losing money, but you had to put $75,000 down to get it? 
Is that seventy five grand in reserve safer, or is the cash flowing element safer? That's the question that I think people need yeah. to be asking. And if you had to put seventy five grand down to make a cash flow, most people would say, "Well, then I don't want to do it." Now you're not buying real estate at all, and that's kind of the circles that we're going back and forth in right now, right? So let us know in the comments what do you think about this negative cash flow? What's the right perspective to take? What would you have told Don in this question? And let us know should we do an entire show? on the cash flow conundrum to cash flow or not to cash flow. That is the mm. question. Thy question. Thank you. Or the question, the... as you would often say. Rob wants me to change my Instagram name to the David Green 24 <laughs> Yeah. T-H-E-E. Yes. The dork game is strong <laughs> with this one. Our next question comes from Josh in Baton Rouge. I always think of Gambit from X-Men whenever I hear Baton Rouge. Let me know in the comments if any of you think of Gambit from X-Men every time you hear of Baton Rouge. What is that? X-Men, I, I don't remember that. Oh, really? My a dork like you doesn't remember the name of X-Men. Not likely. The comments are going to be exploding uh, right now with yeah. cap. No way. All right. Josh here has a couple of short-term rentals in vacation markets in Arkansas and Florida, as well as a long-term rental in Louisiana. What are your thoughts on how the supply and demand for real estate will change in the coming decades as the baby boomer generation ages? Some fear that this will result in a drastic enough change in population that there will be an oversupply of many goods, including real estate, causing prices to fall rather than the fairly steady increase we're all used to. I strongly believe that real estate will ultimately survive economic cycles, but I fear the effects of this on the medium term outlook for investors like myself in our 30s and 40s. Do you think this is a legitimate concern or are the other forces at play strong enough to counter this effect? Thank you for all you do, and thank you for all your resources. Wonderful question. I love this, yeah, Rob. Good. What goes through your head? What's your perspective here? Yeah, I was nervous you'd ask me first. Um, I guess I would say that ultimately, real estate has existed since like the beginning of time. Like people build houses and they sell, sold them, lived in them, rented them. I don't know when real estate truly became like prevalent, but I mean, it's been around for in its current form. I would say at least a hundred years, right? Um, so. It has survived many things. It has survived the Great Depression. It has survived world wars. It has survived recessions. It has survived big booms in the economy. Yeah. I would say, like, yes, there's a legitimate concern in some capacity, but I don't think it's anything that would really destroy the, the real estate market in any significant way. Well done. That's a great answer for being yeah. unprepared for how you were going to. <laughs> Did you, Michael, got yeah. that? Did you just start talking and then figure out where you wanted to go when you were halfway through it? Exactly. Uh, well, I have a list of answers that are always like kind of laminated by me that I've just been waiting to use over the last year and a half since being on the show. So it's of emergency that, break that class it. and pull out laminated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was pretty good. Exactly. Yeah. I've actually thought a very similar thought, maybe six, seven years ago where I was like, you overthink things, right? Like I was buying in Phoenix. Like, are they going to run out of water? Should I not be buying in Phoenix? And then you start Googling Phoenix water supply and you get all these crazy conspiracy things about like what the government's doing to stop the water. It's like really hard to get information that you can Rely on. This is another one because while everything you said is true, Rob, it is also true. I don't know in the last hundred years, please don't quote me on this. I'm not sure. I don't mm -hmm. believe that population growth has ever been a concern. It's now starting to become a concern. In many developed countries, population growth is not only slowing, it's going the wrong way. Okay. Definitely. So it's one thing to consider here. Like if we don't have as many babies, we're not going to need as many houses. And I think I love his, his, his last point is this a legitimate concern or are other forces at play strong enough to counter this effect? Cause that is the question. Okay. There's, there's opposing forces here, pros and cons, and you're trying to weigh which one of them is stronger. So I think population decreasing is a legit concern and threat yeah. to real estate wealth. 
Now let's talk about the other side of that. First off, if we just started having stopped having babies completely right now, no babies were born. It would be like 25 years before that would act that lag would hit us. Because you've got all the one and two year olds that still need to grow. They're mm-hmm. still going to need a place to live. So it's not like if babies mm-hmm. stop being born immediately, we're in trouble. It's going to be a long time before it catches up with us. So if the population does slow, this doesn't change tomorrow. In that much time, your property's probably almost paid off, which is going to reduce some of the threat right there. Another thing would be when I was looking at this, I assumed that what a dollar was worth is what a dollar would always be worth. But that is a shifting target, too, as inflation continually makes money worth less. You need more of it to buy the same thing. So in 30 years, if we do have population problems, well, how much have properties appreciated and how much has rent appreciated? And is that threat as significant if your property is worth five times as much? So if you had to sell it for half of what it should be worth, it's still two and a half times more than what it is right now. Like It gets tricky when you start trying to work all of these things into the algorithm here. So with that information, Rob, does that change your perspective on this? Well, first of all, I know that the, the population decreasing is a real problem in other countries. I don't know if that's the case in the United States. Like, I don't know. Right. So it is hard to really say. Um, I think we have some time to figure that one out. Good point. Like, I don't know if that's really a problem yet, right. or I don't know if it'll really be a problem for, like you said, like the next 10 to 15 years. And then there's immigration, right? Are people going to keep coming to America from other countries, which would keep our population higher? Or is that going to change in 10 years and 20 years? Is America not a desirable place to come to? It is impossible to factor for all of those variables when you're trying to make this question. So I love the question itself because this is something that I think about all the time coming from Josh. Overall, I think that there are enough uh, tailwinds making real estate desirable to combat the headwinds of possible population growth or um, less people needing homes in the future. I think a more realistic threat would be like 3D housing. What if they figure out a way to just like build houses for $20,000 or something like that? And now we've got these homes that used to cost $500,000 to build or $200,000 to build. And you had to go through all this red tape and the city and the local municipalities made building incredibly hard. And now people can just throw something up real quick, right? Assuming that this is something that's actually safe. It'll probably be a while before the technology goes there. But I've thought about that. That could just saturate the market with rental supply. That's interesting. Man, you know what would be a really good show is if we researched theories for real estate like 50 years from now, like what some of the thought leaders in the space think would, 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 We're worried would be about. the case. Yeah, like ownership of real estate on Mars or like, yeah, things like this or whatever. Like um, if you own homes on a beach or whatever and just talk about some of the bigger, mm-hmm. I don't know, questions that arise over like what does real estate look like in 50 to 100 years that would be very interesting because we get to hear like why they thought green shag carpet was a good idea. Maybe that was meant to combat a threat at the time. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. they're like, one of the biggest threats to the real estate space is the open concept. And we have to do everything we can to defeat that. So we're just going to put walls everywhere inside of our houses. And like to their dismay, they found out that we just tore all those homes down and like blasted it on house hunters talking about how these closed concepts are terrible. Yeah. Well, you know, I've always talked about, I would love to have Elon Musk on the show. I think that would be a, a, a the perfect person for it. So, hey, Elon, I know you're listening out there. Hit us up. David Green uh, 24 on Instagram. Oh, I'm sure he's already following. I'm sure. Probably from one of his burner I mean, accounts. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our last question here comes from Alyssa Horn in Alaska. By the way, I forgot to say on our previous question, 
Are you screaming at your computer or your car right now saying, what are you guys talking about? You missed something. Let us know in the comments if on this whole, will real estate become a problem in the future because of population growth? Let us know if you think we missed something and what should be brought into the conversation here. I love it. This It's very interesting. It's a, it's a fun thought process. I'll ask chat GPT tonight and I'll let you know. I'll text you the answer. Rob knows how much I love that. <laughs> All right. Alyssa says, hi, David. Thanks for taking the time to read this. My sister and I are looking at combined funds of the house hack at duplex in Anchorage, Alaska. However, we realize that the amount we could potentially charge for rent is greater than the amount we currently pay for rent in the place we currently live. Does it make more sense to continue renting and rent out the two sides of the property we buy? Mathematically, this seems like a no-brainer, but it also doesn't seem normal. Are we missing something? For some more context, we're happy living in the place we rent, but want to work our way to financial freedom by building a real estate portfolio. And obviously, people who rent don't have a portfolio. Thanks so much for helping two Alaskan sisters find their way to vacations in warmer climates. All right. So here is how I understand Alyssa's question. So she wants to buy real estate. And buying real estate, if she moved into it, would increase her housing expense because her rent is low. But if she keeps paying the low rent, she never owns a property. Her alternative to this dilemma is to buy an investment property, rent out all of the units, which it looks like this is a duplex that they're talking about. They'll make more money that way. But now they're still renting out the property that they live in. They don't live in the house they're in. Now, the downside to that is they're going to put 20 or 25% down if it's an investment property versus 5% if it's a house hack. So when you factor all of these questions together, welcome to Seeing Green. This is what we get to do every single week. What advice do you have for Alyssa and her sister? I think you have to, it's rare. Okay, it's not rare, but it is common where rent is cheaper than mortgages. And so... I had to do this when I lived in LA. My rent was $1,850 for a 600 square foot home. Um, I then was so tired of paying that much money to a landlord that I was like, I'm going to buy a house. I don't care if that makes me a little bit more house poor. At least I own it. I'm building equity. So I bought a house and my mortgage was $4,400, which was more than double. Now with that house, there were some house hacking opportunities. I had a studio underneath. I ended up building that tiny house. We all know the story there. But I went into that understanding I was going to pay more for the home ownership. Fast forward to today, that house has doubled uh, in value due to the beautiful thing called appreciation. And I'm very happy that I was house poor. And rent's gone up as well. And rent has gone up. Yeah. So I'm happy that I was house poor for all those years. Yes. It paid off in the end. So it, it hurts now more because you're like, dang, I'm actually, I'm not saving as much. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm spending more every month. It hurts more, but you are also getting principal pay down. Inversely, you are the landlord is getting the principal pay down in the other scenario. So I love how you brought this up so far in the book I'm working on right now. It's about all the ways you make money in real estate instead of just the cash flow. Okay, mm -hmm. so there's this principle when you look at something two dimensionally, certain things make sense. Like, why would I buy a house when renting is cheaper? I frequently get this when I go on other people's podcasts that are not real estate experts, right? So like I'm getting ready to go on Valuetainment. We're going to be talking with like Patrick Bet David's crew. They say this all the time. Renting is cheaper than owning. Why would anyone buy a house? It, it makes sense when you're looking at a snapshot, not a whole movie. Mm -hmm. When you look at everything that real estate does to make money, it starts to change things. So her rent is less right now, but she doesn't control the rent. The landlord does. Maybe she has a really nice landlord. What happens if they sell the house, they pass away, someone else takes it over. They realize that they could be charging more. That changes very quickly. And at, during that period of time, housing might've become more expensive. 
Also, in most markets, rent goes up every single year. So though renting may be cheaper than owning right now, if you do five years of rent increases, it's often not cheaper than owning because when you buy a house, your mortgage gets locked in place. Now consider house hacking. Not only are you not having your rent increased on you every year, but you are charging more to your tenants every year. It now becomes twice as valuable that rent increases are working in your favor to build your wealth. And you extend this over five years, 10 years, 15 years, it starts to become way cheaper to own than rent, especially when you're house hacking. Now, we haven't thrown in principal reduction. We haven't thrown in potential tax advantages. We haven't thrown in what you just said, Rob, which was appreciation. All of these other things end up being even more impactful than just the rent, and it becomes a no-brainer that you should own. The thing I want to highlight here is that it rarely looks wise when you're just looking at right now. When you're looking at 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, I don't know that I've ever seen a scenario where renting is actually cheaper unless it's like you're living with your mom and she's going to let you live for free or something like that. Does that change your take on this question? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say ultimately, like almost everyone looks like a genius like a real estate genius if they hold on to property for 30 years. Yeah. So um, it might, like I said, it might hurt now, but yeah, if you hold on to it for 30 years, it's, people are going to be like, oh my gosh, you bought a house in Los Angeles when it was $600,000? That's so cheap. I cannot believe that. And people will be mad at you that you got into real estate 30 years earlier. You know what I mean? But so, when you bought it at 600000 did it feel cheap? Oh God, no. I was scared to tell everybody. And everyone was telling you that you were stupid, right? I was scared to tell my parents. I was scared to tell my coworkers because my coworkers knew kind of how much I made. They were like my peers and they were like, you can't afford that. And they just didn't know that I was like, well, I'm thinking about it. Like, how can I afford it? Yeah. You say, well, I'm going to rent out part of my house. Oh, I don't want to do that. That sounds like I like my space. I I don't want that. I don't want to. I don't want to know my tenant. Yeah. It's all that whole thing. Yeah. You like your space. You also like being poor forever. Like if you can't afford to put money into a property, you got to put your comfortability and your convenience away. Right. It's going to cost you something. So might as well cost comfort instead if you don't have the money at the time. I remember you and I were heading to a real estate meetup when we were hanging out in LA to record at the Spotify studios. Mm -hmm. And we drove by a property that you pointed out in LA. And you were like, that house right there was hit the market, had been renovated. My Mm. wife and I looked at it and it was $1.1 million. And we said, that is insane that those people think they will ever get that much money for that property, right? Fast forward, what, four or five years? Is that about how long Mm -hmm. it's been? Mm -hmm. Okay, and what do you think it's worth now? Oh, like 1.8, 1.9, maybe two, somewhere in there. It was insane. You were overpaying, and then you go five years in the future, and all of a sudden, like if you could buy it for 1.1 right now, you'd be walking into $700,000 of equity in tons of cash flow. Yeah, and it was a little bit more like, oh, it's so expensive. I I wish I could afford that someday. And then now it's like, in retrospect, it is... It's a good, it was a good deal. Everything is a good deal in the past, right? That's a great point. And that's all we're trying to say is try to exist outside of just this moment. Think about your whole life and where you're going to be in five or 10 years and factor that into your decision-making process. And if you got to sacrifice comfort or you got to have a little bit more housing than you wanted in order to own, but you're in a good area where rents are going to be increasing and you've now taken control of your financial future and your housing expense where you know the worst case scenario is this is my mortgage and it can only get better from that. I would rather see people do that than not have control and be at the mercy of a landlord or somebody else. So taking this long-term approach makes the most sense, which is why we're talking more and more about financial responsibility, playing defense and making money in other ways outside of real estate, which is playing offense in business. Because when you have those two things going for you, you can use the delayed gratification approach with real estate and build the portfolio we're talking about.
Oh, one thing she said that um, people who rent obviously don't have a portfolio. Uh, false. Uh, I'm sure we've said this already, but honestly, the people that I'm proudest most in life of are people who sacrifice short-term short-term gain and continue renting and use the money they have to get into a rental port uh, rental property. And they sacrifice owning a house so that they can rent longer and build equity. I'm always like, hey, that's actually pretty cool of you that you that you did that. So don't feel bad if that's where you end up netting out, Alyssa. All right. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We sure enjoyed having it with you all. If you did, please do me a favor. Leave us a review on wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and let us know what you like about the podcast so other people can find it. And leave us a comment on YouTube telling us what you thought of today's show. Hopefully we read your comment on a future episode and you will be supporting the show. Also, if you'd like to be featured here, we would love to have you. Head over to biggerpockets.com slash David where you can leave your question for us to answer on a future episode. Rob, for people that were absolutely blown away by your uh, insight, intelligence, sense of humor and dashing good looks where can they get more rob you can find me on youtube at rob built r-o-b-u-i-l-t and instagram at rob built if you want short form real estate funnies if you want long form real estate wackiness go to youtube up to you or do both there you go i'm there as well you can find me at david green 24 on social media david green real estate on youtube or david green 24.com on the internet to find my webpage. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. It's been our pleasure to be teaching you and instructing you and encouraging you in your real estate journey. I really hope that we were able to help some of you brain souls who took action to ask us questions, and I look forward to answering more of your questions this year. This is David Green for Handsome Rob Abasolo, signing off. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.